0: The new bumper video, so it's so exciting. We have a new summer series that's going to be Chapel of the Seas, so I can't wait to kick it off as something that has nothing to do with any of that today. Um, so my name's Matt. I'm here today to give a message, so I'm happy to be able to do that. So I want to tell you a little bit about myself since there are some of you who I'm sure I don't know. Um, so about me, I'm one of four brothers in my family, and so growing up, I would say that our family was pretty traditional uh, I wouldn't say that necessarily in the political sense. Um, but my family a lot of times felt like it was a relic of an era that everybody else seemed to th- have thought had left in 1950s with Leave it to Beaver or something like that. Um, so my mom was a proud homemaker. She would say, I'm not even a stay-at-home mom. Like It's really my job to make our house into a home. Um, so she would love to do counted cross-stitch, um, she was always baking cookies or fresh bread, so anytime somebody came to visit, the house always smelled amazing because there was something that had been baked just for them. Um, my dad was a pastor, an Episcopal priest, so every Sunday our, we were all in church, we were all at youth group, uh, so sort of the priest kid having to be on display every week, and um, for my own part, I was pretty much a goody-two-shoes. I was in orchestra, I loved to read, I never watched TV, I made straight A's. So I was sort of a good little drama-free boy. Um, and my family was such that like, when me or one of my brothers would start dating somebody, they would come over to meet the, my parents and be very uh, nervous, of course but they would almost inevitably fall in love with our whole family. And so, like, I remember my first girlfriend, when we broke up, it was she was sad about breaking up with me, but she was really sad about not my parents, breaking up with my parents to the point that um, when she got married, she actually sent my parents a wedding invitation, but somehow I got left off of that. I can't imagine how that, that happened. Um, so I would say the thing that really, like, epitomizes it all for me when I think about my family and my tr- upbringing in a sort of traditional household was my mom really wanted to instill that we should have good manners. That was very important to her. Um, that we should grow up to act like gentlemen and know how gentlemanly behavior is to be conducted. Um, of course, with four boys, this is kind of an <laughs> uphill battle, I might say. Um, so always being told to sort of put our napkins on our laps and chew with your mouth closed and don't take that big of a bite. So there were a lot of rules. But the one that really sticks out in my memory, though, is that anytime we were being introduced to somebody new, especially if it was an adult, double especially if it was an adult woman, and triply especially if it was an older adult woman, then it was expected that we should stand up and greet and acknowledge them when they came in the room. And I'm using expected in a way that you sort of might think like a drill sergeant expects that when they say something, that that happens, and if it doesn't, then there's going to be a problem. So anytime somebody would come in the room, an adult, my mom would say, gentlemen, on your feet. And we were sort of expected to just hop to and, oh, hello, it's so nice to see you, Mrs. So-and-so. So. Um, this, She said it so often that it sort of became like a household joke. So anytime somebody would come in the room, one of the boys would just jump up to be the most gentlemanly, and then before mom could even say it, they would say, Gentlemen, on your feet! And sort of mock my mom a little bit along the way. Um, so there was some gentlemanly backfiring and cross-sniping at one another along the way. Um, so traditions like these, I think, are important. And in retrospect, I'm very happy that I... Learned all that I could learn about manners as much as could be crammed into my adolescent brain, Um, because traditions provide us great continuity with things that have come before us. Um, Another example of a tradition is the fact that I'm giving today's message, because in the church calendar, today is the day that's known as Trinity Sunday. Um, That's its official title, but among clergy and pastors, you probably might more often hear it sort of... By its little nickname, which would either be heresy Sunday or Seminarian Sunday, because this is the day that when you 're supposed to sort of um, expound with deep theological gravitas about the the nature and the inner workings of the Trinity and all of these things, and so it 's almost impossible to talk about the Trinity for any length of time without committing one or more formally defined heresies. So to prevent that from happening, a lot of times on Trinity Sunday, a pastor will just invite their seminarian to come give a sermon or give a message like this so that the pastor can sort of wash their hands clean of any kind of heresy and let that all fall in the seminarian. So if you want to play along today, you can count how many heresies you hear in the sermon, and then at the end we can have a little auction about, do I hear four? Four heresies. Five heresies. Um... So that's why I'm going to go ahead and do what Martin Luther suggested, which is that if you're going to sin, you should just sin boldly and then trust God even more, that God can cover up for your bold sin. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot at talking about the Trinity today. So the Trinity is this very churchy word that we use to talk about, um, the three parts of one undivided God. Um, So, a lot of times when we hear about the Trinity, we hear it as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, Whenever a baby's baptized, we baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That probably sounds somewhat familiar if you've been around church at all. Usually, when we think about this, we talk about God the Father who was there in the beginning, the Creator in Genesis, God the Son who came to earth as Jesus, who lived and died and was resurrected, and then God the Holy Spirit who's the force of God continuing to act in the world today, who's guiding and moving us, guiding the church. Um, so for lots of folks, this formulation works totally great. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just told you about my own family. I have a pretty leave it to beaverish 1950s American dream family. So for me it's not I don't have a problem thinking of God the Father and God as a loving fatherly figure. that's easy for me to do. But nonetheless, over time, I know there's lots of things that change. Um, For my own part, though I definitely do, like I've already said, strongly value the traditional upbringing that I had and the manners that I learned, um, I I know that I have changed. Um, The shy Catholic girl who didn't invite me to her wedding and only invited my parents is a very far cry from my amazing partner today with her tattoos and ever-changing hair colors and all the rest. So I know I've evolved in that way. Um, In the life of the church, obviously, we've evolved. We've gone from candles and chanting to electric lights and electric guitars, which would, I'm sure, horrify the church fathers, although I personally appreciate them. Children, that's another great example of this. In the early church, there's lots of early church fathers writing about babies crying in church and how it's like God testing the priest and how it's so terrible and all of the rest. But in chapel, we know that we have folks of all ages and they we want them to participate in ways that are appropriate for their age. So when somebody's crying or when my kids are running around and running amuck, I know that that's how they... Their noises and their wiggles and their, those are their contributions to our service. Um, When it comes to thinking about the Trinity, we sometimes have this too. So there are some folks, whether that's because of familial trauma that they've experienced, maybe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit doesn't feel like something that they can really relate to. Sometimes that comes out of like a feminist critique or a sensibility Um, or some other reason. That may not be a helpful way of thinking about God. For me, even though I have a nice family and I feel warm toward my father, um, I like to think about it using the more evocative and sort of gender-inclusive language of creator, redeemer, and sustainer. So this may be something that you've heard before. Um, So as creator, God made everything that is. Um, The reading, actually, for Trinity Sunday, the very first reading is Genesis 1, in the beginning when God creates all that is in six days and then rests on the seventh day. That's the first reading assigned for this Sunday. That's, we can think about God the creator. Sorry, I'm going to be a millennial and fix my phone really quick as it's breaking. Um, As redeemer, God came to earth in the person of Jesus to live a sinless life and atone for each one of our shortcomings. And as sustainer, God is the one who holds all things together, god continues to inspire us god gives us strength and courage to move in the direction that we're being called to go so we can see actually each of these themes not only in genesis 1 but in the gospel reading for today which is from matthew so this reading um, comes is the disciples one and only interaction in that gospel after jesus has been raised from the dead So Mary Magdalene sees Jesus after, she sees the empty tomb, she sees Jesus, he says, tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee, and this is the one and only time that they see Jesus in this gospel, after the resurrection. So let's read what what that story says. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So again, this is the very end of the gospel. This is sort of the the last thing that Matthew wants to really drive home and make sure that you know, and the one and only time in Matthew that the disciples see Jesus after he's been resurrected. Um, so this message, I would say, is very Trinitarian. So even apart from Jesus saying, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, there's that name-dropping of the Trinity. But even just the structure of what Jesus says is very Trinitarian. Trinitarian. First, he claims authority over all the cosmos, that very creation from Genesis 1 that God made. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that reminds us that God was the one who created and has all the power to create or to delegate authority. Then he tells the disciples to go, to make new disciples, and to baptize. These are three things that we as the church are called to do, and we do them because we're responding to Jesus's message and Jesus's invitation. The church is, and the early disciples there at Galilee on the mountain were there because of the redeeming work that Jesus had done. So he was telling his disciples, go tell about the great good news of redemption that that has been brought to the world. And then finally, at the very end, Jesus tells them that he will remain with them even to the end of the age. This is exactly what we think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling presence that lives in us, that lives in the church, that helps us see where we're being called to go. So Jesus' very last message to them is that God made them, God saves them, and that God never would leave them, the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer. So in my own life, depending on what's going on, sometimes one or more of these feels the most relevant or helpful to me. So if I'm getting a little self-important, self-aggrandizing, it can be helpful to remember that God is the creator, and that can help bring me back down a little notch to sort of a, a true perspective that I only am what I am, all that I have, all that I am is only thanks to God's gift and creation. So that can be a way to sort of bring myself back in check. On the other way, on the other hand, if I'm getting a little bit too self-deprecating or if I'm uh, self-critical, then remembering that God redeemed me, God loves me, God accepts me, and paid the price for me, regardless of what I've done or what I will do in the future, no matter how wrong I've turned, no matter how ungentlemanly I've acted, God still redeems me. And so, thinking about God as Redeemer can help me again reset my conception of myself. And then sometimes I'm just completely overwhelmed, of course. So sometimes I'm drowning. I have two kids, a three-year-old and a six-year-old. I'm a single dad, so there are plenty of times where I feel like I'm just completely underwater. And at those times, remembering that God's the sustainer, God has sustained me thus far along the way, and then praying that God can just sustain me just for, just if I can get to the girls' bedtime, then I'll be able to get a night's sleep, and then we could get back to it tomorrow. Knowing that God has sustained me thus far, knowing that God will sustain me as we go forward. So if this is a helpful framework for you, thinking of God as creator, redeemer, and sustainer, then I hope you would consider how each of those might be a way that you could respond to God in your own life. Asking, what is God creating in and around me, what is God calling me to create? Or for Redeemer, how is God calling me to turn from things that are maybe detrimental to me and turn toward a life that's closer to the life God wants me to live? Or just needing my to be sustained? How can I ask God for the, the strength instead of trusting on my own strength and relying on my own ability? giving that to God, knowing that God will sustain me, carry me through as he has, as God continually will. The triune God can and does do all of this and so much more. So if you prefer thinking about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's completely great. Uh, There's much to be commended about that formulation, I would say, Um, one of which is its historical connection back to the earliest church, like we just read about in Matthew, And like I said earlier, I'm sort of a traditionalist. Um, When I was a kid, I read Emily Post's Guide to Manners for Fun. That was not even an assignment from my mom. That was just sort of my own things that I was experiencing as I was being very cool in high school. Um, And I remember still when I read that that it said, it was so specific about everything, lunch has to be at 11 or it should start at 1.30, it should end at 2.45, at which point all the guests will certainly have left unless it's a bridge luncheon, in which case they would have stayed. I also learned how to play bridge in case you're wondering. Um, So if you're somebody like that who likes to have a nice 1.30 to 2.45 traditionalist lunch and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit works for you, that's completely awesome. Um, other people may not that may not work for you anymore. Uh, if you're somebody who wants to have lunch at noon, and even though Emily Post said it wasn't right, um, if you're somebody who wants to think about God as creator, redeemer, and sustainer, and that's something that speaks more to your experience, that's also completely great. And you'll also be in plenty good company. So either way, I would say that my prayer for you is that you would remember and not just abstractly believe, but concretely feel, this week, that the God who made you, the God who loves you, and the God who has brought you along thus far will continue to support you, will continue to be there for you, will continue to love you, and holds all things together and works all things together for the good. And that's true regardless of which Trinitarian formula you believe. Or how many heresies you commit along the way. So there you go. Um, so... To that, I would just ask that we could do a quick prayer, and we'll close, and then we'll end with one more song. Dear God, thank you so much for creating us, redeeming us, and sustaining us. On this Trinity Sunday, we remember all the ways that you've worked out our salvation throughout history, and as we continue to work it out today, you continue to love us, care for us, provide for us, and be with us. Please care for us this week as you've done all along. Know the ways that we've fallen short and help us, to redeem, help us to work out our own redemption and move ever closer in the direction that you want us to go. We love you, and we're so grateful for all that you've given to us and all that you continue to do in our lives. In your name I pray. Amen.